at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, March 10th, 2023. I do really appreciate you being with me today. In many parts of the country, we're still in the winter mode. We've got storms coming here in Southern California, one after another. Our storms, though, just for everybody here where I am, it, it just, it's rain, which we need. Uh, but we've had tons of snow in the mountains around us, so it's been a pretty wet winter for us. And so I know I've been watching other parts of the country. It's pretty cold out there, so be careful. And, you know, of course, we're going to talk about the market as we do every day. Uh, you know, serious investors, you know, know that market dynamics constantly change. Geopolitical variables, economic variables. I mean, there's just so many. And now, of course, now we have some silicon banks, you know, in trouble too. One being shut down, the other one just having a lot of trouble. Uh, and you know, they're, that produce a run, run on the banks. And what's interesting is what's causing the problems for these banks. And the, the problems are treasuries. Interest rate change. They got, anyways, maybe we can get into that later on the show. I hope so. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm here today on this radio radio program and podcast to help you make the best of the decisions you need to make concerning your strategy to grow your money. That means knowledge. You need to increase your knowledge base. You know, and that's what this show is about, helping you increase your knowledge. I mean, I'm not going to be able, you're not going to be able to be, you know, compete with traders in New York City on the floor. It's just not. But you'll, you can, you can do just as well as mutual funds. You can. And it's not impossible. It's, and it's fun to learn. I think it is anyways. So for those who are new to Invest Talk that haven't listened to the show before, be assured I am not going to give you you know, biased answers. I don't. We don't pay for any of our data or information or newsletters that tell us what to do. We do it all ourselves. We do our own work, and I want you to do your own work too. And I promise to be always unbiased answers. Unbiased. I don't have a bias one way or another. There's no hidden agenda here. I'm not trying to talk you anything. And I can sell you anything. That's not how this works. This is a call-in show where I answer your questions straightforward as best I can. And my, you know, since I've been investing since I was 20, you know, close to 50 years, uh, you know, I picked up a few things along the way I can help you with. Now, one thing we've all noticed, the investing situation today is very, very different. Interest rates are very, very different than just a little over a year ago. Very, very different. So, and this causes market turmoil. 
rising interest rates, and the Fed's going to meet in two weeks. We're going to raise rates again. Rising interest rates change the investing environment, and you have to just understand how it changes that. Okay, so every all of us can learn more also. Why not do it? It's kind of interesting to learn. I like learning, and I will always do that till the day I die. So, so be prepared to take the lessons at heart here that we're going to give you. Justin and I will give you the lessons, and we will teach you how to do this. It's not rocket science. It's not so complex that you can't understand it. You can. The hard part is the market is very fickle. It's very unpredictable. It's very, but the background noise of the economy is something you can learn and understand how the market reacts to that. And that's what we can help you with. So, in other words, today I will be, uh, I will lead another lesson on how to shape your thinking, you know, to become successful at investing. It's great, right? Why not? I encourage you to participate. This is a call-in show. Your financial investment questions drive the show in the direction you want to take it. So if you want to talk about stocks, I'll talk about stocks. You want you want to ask about IRAs, I'll talk about anything financial. Anything financial is on the table. Okay, so let's go to our anytime toll-free number that you can call right now. 888-99-CHART. I've got a lot of material that we got to go for. 888-992-4278 is the number. You can dial right now and you can get on, okay? My focus point today, interpreting the jobless claims numbers. We had a lot of economic numbers this week, and I wanted to specifically talk about the jobless claims numbers and then move on to the beige book. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know what the beige book is, and I will explain it to you. But do you know what the green book is? I bet you don't. We'll talk about what the green book is, too. My focus point is about jobless claims, though. Okay? Um, time permitting, I also will talk about, as I said, the beige book. I'll talk about the jobs report that came out today. Talk about Silver Valley Bank and Silicon Valley and the, some of the problems they have. And did you see what Buffett spent, how much money he spent on buying stuff? So we're going to talk about that too. But of course, you come first. What's on your mind? What do you guys want to talk about? We'll talk about that. The market was down. Dow was down 345 points, and NASDAQ down 199, and the S&P down 57. And let's go ahead and go to Corey in Ohio with our first call. Hi, Corey. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, I just had a question about the two-year Treasury. You know, over the last two years, it's rallied like 5,000% from yes. 0.1% to where it's at today. Yes. And, you know, it's it's recently dropped. Um, it just posted its biggest daily drop since 08. And I wanted to get your opinion on what does the two-year Treasury typically tell you about the economy and what is this two-year Treasury telling you today? Well, the two-year Treasury is telling me that we should be moving into recession this year. Why, why is it telling me that? Because the interest rate on the two-year, the yield from the two-year treasury, as you pointed out, the value has gone down, the yield has gone up. The yield is much higher than the 10-year treasury. So that's called an inverted yield curve. When you can get more money on a short-term bond than on a long-term bond, that doesn't really make sense in a rational world. It only makes sense if people are really worried about the future 
and they don't want to lock up for 10 years their money when they think interest rates are going to rise. And when interest rates rise, economy goes into a slump, and we just haven't had it yet. The economy's been very resilient. But I think, you know, we're, we're going to have, probably have negative GDP for the first quarter, this first quarter. And if we get one more of those next quarter, this second quarter, we're talking about a recession. That's a recession, the classic definition. We went through this a year ago, two quarters in a row of shrinkage. It was a classic recession, but with high employment, which was weird. So it's been kind of odd, Corey. It's an odd thing. But I think I think we really are headed into a recession. I do. It is Friday. This week went by pretty quickly. We are moving to a break, but it won't last long, people. On the other side, I will take your calls live or on our anytime listen line. You can call it right now, 888-99-CHART. Get ready for a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. The Wealth Webinar will be a crash course on how to structure your value portfolios, providing real examples with assessment tools that KPP Financial uses every day to grow clients' wealth. The webinar will be anchored by KPP Financial CEO and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein, and by KPP Financial Portfolio Manager, Luke Guerrero. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. Be sure to tell your friends and family members it's free and you can register now at investtalk.com. The stock market is constantly changing, and serious investors know that they need to modify their portfolio assets to fit the times. And now, with more than 50 million downloads, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley reaffirm their commitment to providing unbiased finance and investment guidance here on Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. So give me a call. We're going to go talk to Sam and Los Gatos. Hi, Sam. Hey, Steve. Thanks How's for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Uh, so I wanted to know your opinion about investing in Amazon right now. I know tech stocks are generally out of fashion, but what do you think in terms of fundamentals? Do you think it's good for a long-term play? I do. I I do. I think Amazon is dominant in its field and they'll remain dominant in its field. It's fallen from $160, $170 a share down to $90. Uh, It got as low as close to $80. And between $80 and $90, I'd be a buyer of Amazon. There's a lot of support in there. And just know, Sam, that it can go down further. It can. But that means I would buy more. Do you think Amazon at almost a trillion dollar size and still growing sales and the high single digits is going to go away? No, they're going to continue expanding. Yeah, they're going to have issues because they're so big. But management owns 13%. Do you realize that management owns $92 billion worth of Amazon stock? So I, 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 think, I, think, I, think, it's a, I think it's a buy here. I do. Um, but you're going to have to be patient because we got to get through this slump we're going to be in. 
And we've been in this slump a while. But as I said in previous shows, I think by the end of the year, I think the market might start perking up and start looking much more much healthier than it is today. So, yeah, I, I like Amazon. Sam, thanks for the call. Let's go to Paul in San Francisco. Hi, Paul. Here I am. Uh, I have a question about dividends. Why do corporations pay them? How does it benefit them? Can you explain the financial mechanism for that? Yeah, they do it to reward the shareholders. I mean, that's what they, they that's really the purpose. They have excess cash. They don't have a really good use for it. And they, many companies reward the shareholders with a dividend. Now, some stocks pay a dividend because they don't grow very much. For instance, take a look at 3M. They, they don't grow very much, but they're very, very steady, always makes money. And their dividend's 5.8%. Well, that's how you attract buyers to your stock if you pay high dividends. If you're a big, blue-chip, boring company that doesn't grow, you want to buy, you know, they, they attract you by paying a nice dividend. And as the stock goes down in price, the percentage yield that you're getting goes up, 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 and up. And pretty soon, when it's at 6%, people are looking around, man, I can get 6% of my money just owning 3M, just holding on to it. That's why. Okay, does that make sense to you? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, Paul. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. The February jobs report came out today. It was 311,000 jobs. They expected it to be only 225, more than they expected. Now, remember, the Fed meets in two weeks. Jobs report is pretty strong. Has stayed pretty strong. What do you think they're going to do with interest rates? They're going to raise them again. Now they've raised them so far, what four and a half percent, and in a year. Remember, they were like, you know, less than one percent. Now it's four and a half to four point three quarters, four point seven five percent. That's a huge jump in one year, and they're going to continue raising them. The unemployment rate fell. I mean, I, I actually, I'm sorry. The unemployment rate went up to 3.6% versus 3.4%. Now, why would it go up when jobs increased? Because the labor force increased. More people joined the labor force. It went from 624 to 62.5% of the population. So, working population. So, more people joined in the, 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 the economy to, to find jobs. That's why it went up. Uh, and that's why the Fed, you know, everything, not everything, that's, that would be wrong. A lot of numbers are looking too strong for the Fed to stomach. The Fed wants to kill inflation. It needs to slow those numbers down. So, We'll go to break now, but still to come, I will share experts from the KPP Premium Newsletter, and that will be at the halfway point of the podcast, and I will tackle more of your questions. Give me a call. This is Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Hey, guys, this is Joe from Lake Jackson, Texas, south of Houston, and I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. 
Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Steve Peasley is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99 chart. 888-992-4278. My focus point today concerns the story behind interpreting the jobless claims numbers that was reported this week. Data slow you know, that the that there was 200 what was 211,000 jobless claims. Okay, and that's a weekly number comes out every week that weekly jobless claims. How many people are filing for unemployment? Now, 211 was a lot more than uh, under 200 for the last, what, five weeks before that? Under 200,000 each week. But 200, anything under 300,000 is low. So don't think that because it jumped 21,000 uh, new claims that, although, no, that's not how that works. No, because it's still too low. And how do you know if it, one week does not make a trend? One data point. You, know, you need three data points to make a trend, you know, at least a start of a trend. Um, and that's not it, right now. You know, there's you know, there's one point nine job openings for every job. Uh, I mean, every unemployed person out there they, they get, they, that we have plenty of jobs available. Now, let's be honest, that could that could shrivel up and die. But also, you know, and I know, we've all seen the report saying the, that a lot of big tech companies were laying off people. Well, those numbers are laying off and showing up in the jobless claims and, and, and in the unemployment rate and all that. It's not showing up anywhere yet. Maybe it's not significant enough to show up. So the jobless report, remember, it's a weekly Report So that's called a leading economic indicator because you get it every week. So it's a good one to keep an eye on and to see if the trend develops on the upswing. That tell you that the economy might be slowing down. But at these numbers, not really telling us anything yet, in my opinion. Now, of course, we know things could change, so I don't want you to get too excited. Just got to keep an eye on it. Let's go to Tim in Washington State. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing quite I'm well. I'm a long time listener. Oh, good. I'm Thank a long time listener. Um, I just uh, have been um, watching and hoping to find some decent value stocks. And um, I, one of the stocks I've been following is MCOR, E-M-E. And um, yeah. it uh, noticed it had a, a pretty decent pullback. Lately, and just okay. in the industrial space, I thought it was kind of a, in an interesting area. Thought to see what you thought about that. Okay, uh, it's a seven and a half billion dollar company, so it's a larger mid cap company. Uh, provides mechanical and electrical construction services for commercial, industrial, and utility industries. They make money. They made money forever. Uh, they're going to make nine dollars and nineteen cents this year, and ten dollars and fifty-one cents next year, which is fourteen percent higher. And sales growth has not been—I mean, it's in the low teens every quarter for the two last two years. So it looks pretty healthy. Okay, so it's a hundred and fifty-eight dollars stock going to make ten dollars and fifty-one cents next year. So that tells you it's about a fifteen, fifteen and a half PE. 
the range is 7 to 21. So it's right in the middle of its range. So you cannot say it's a bargain yet. It has a great return on equity at 19%. Well, let's just say it's a very good, not great. Uh, very little debt, which is very good. Management owns 2%. Mutual funds have been just holders. There haven't been an increase or decrease in mutual fund participation. So this is a good, solid stock, pays a really tiny dividend, but I don't think it's cheap enough yet. I'd like to see you pick it up, if you could, in the low 100s, 100 to 115, somewhere in that range, maybe 120. I think that would be a much better deal. If it doesn't get there, it doesn't get there I'd look elsewhere. I would not sweat it. Tim, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. EME is a symbol. MCOR Group, Inc., everybody. MCOR Group, Inc. Uh, so, we Silicon Valley Bank trying to raise capital. Can't do it. It's, it's, you know, the bank is being taken over by the feds. I think that's the one. There's two, two banks in Silicon Valley that are in trouble. Uh, and these banks were the ones who did a lot of work with startups and venture capital, and you know they were very, very much involved with that. And the banks looked pretty healthy from the outside, but what happened is they were caught with a ton of treasuries you know, that they've had, and the interest rates have gone down. So the value of those treasuries gone down that they're holding, and then they've had people try and take money out of the bank, and they've had to cash in to reduce to produce liquidity for them, and they're losing their Claudius gluteus maximus on that those sales. So they're bleeding money. Both these banks have that problem, and you know other banks have the same problem, but they're a bit more diverse and you know have a have my, you know a loan portfolios and different things that help them out that have variable loans and short-term loans. And so there's other banks have other things. And these banks were overexposed to these, to the Fed, to the, the, um, to the treasuries. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media, like, uh, uh, media, like and tag three friends, and you get 50 for 50 million posts. You might win a free subscription to, to KPP Premium Newsletter if you can get three other people to like us. Going on a break, call me, 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive 
at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, Steve and Justin. My name is David from Portland. I enjoy your podcast. I was calling today about the stock Pfizer, P-F-E. I was listening to this show last week sometime and Justin surprised me when he said he would definitely sell Pfizer's. And I agree, it's, I've been disappointed with the stock price as of late, but I've held this stock for years, collected the dividend and tucked it in the drawer, as Steve usually says. And I was thinking about buying more. It's trading at around $40 a share, about out its 52-week low. And I don't think it's a time to sell it. So I wanted to push back on Justin a little bit and pick his brain and see if he can get me to really understand why I need to sell Pfizer. I'm thinking about buying more, but I wish he could give me a little bit of information as why I should not buy more stock. And Pfizer, I believe it's a 7 PE. It's got a 4% dividend. It's a $225 billion market cap stock. To me, this sounds like a decent buy right here. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for your show, and I'll be listening. Thank you. It is a good value at this point. PFE is a name. Pfizer develops pharmaceutical products that offer medicines and vaccines in various therapeutic areas. And I think Justin doesn't like the fact that it has very little growth prospects. Remember, these drug companies live and die and Die, grow, shrink, die, you know, they just constantly, and it all depends on their pipeline of drugs that are coming out and their, 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 their portfolio of drugs that their, the, the, uh, patents are expiring. How soon will they expire? And therefore they're going to have to cut their prices to compete with other companies when they come in and how much drugs have got in the pipeline that look promising. Uh, Pfizer doesn't have a lot of promising drugs in the pipeline. That's the problem. But it is a good value. Return equity is 44%. PE is around 6 Sell So uh, earnings are going to be $3.89 next year. And it's a $39 stock. So it's going to be a PE of like close to 9 10 That's still pretty low. And and the yield is 4.2. But you only hold on to Pfizer for the yield, the dividend yield. I mean, I, I don't think there's any other reason to own it. And Justin's a lot younger than I am. I like dividend payers, and he thinks they're just okay. So he might, yeah, I think he has a bias for that, that he, you know, he's interested in the growth prospects. Not necessarily it's a growth company, but at least has some prospects. I'm more interested in, well, I want to buy value and have – uh, dividends. I like dividends a lot at my age. So it's just a different approach, different look at the same thing. Very common in our industry. The KPP Premium Newsletter is finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. And now I have a preview. In the market conditions section, 
We explain, this week was eventful in the equity markets. After a widespread rout of the banking sector and broad market indices on Thursday, the S&P 500 was down over 1.5% halfway through the trading day Friday. The cause of this volatility event was a collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, SIVB. They tried to produce money and they couldn't. Okay, they misjudged. On Thursday, after seeing an increase in demand for deposit withdrawals, rather than sell held securities and recognize losses as a result of the past year's rate hikes, the bank announced that it would be attempting to raise capital to fund a liquidity crunch, which resulted in the share price SIVB, Silicon Valley Bank, to fall 60%. Although it appears at this time that the issue is isolated, fears of contagion, other banks catching the same disease, drag down the financial sector as a whole, some of the world's largest banks. And they don't have any fear of this. But there was fear that the whole sector was a problem. Earlier this morning, California regulators announced that they would be closing SIVB and that the FDIC would be assuming control of the bank. The clap is the second largest bank collapse in U.S. history. I think it was like 18th largest bank in the United States, this bank, pretty big, pretty big. On a brighter note, the February report on the non-farm, or farm, non-farm payrolls was positive, although the top-line employment numbers showed a month-over-month increase of 311,000 jobs, which far exceeded analysts 220,000 or so. Wage growth seemed to cool as wage growth pointed to a modest two-tenths percent growth under the consensus expectations, under the consensus expectations. The tight labor market coupled with the easing of wage inflation is further evidence that the soft landing scenario is still pretty possible. Fed futures market Fed futures markets have priced the chance of a 50 basis points hike in a couple of weeks, half a percent. It was as high as 80% earlier in the week, so... So that's coming out. Given the recent events in the banking sector and the appearance of liquidity within the system could be more fragile than previously thought, the next Fed meeting will be consequential. There are some people calling for a 0.25 increase instead of a 0.5 increase, which is the consensus 0.5. People think that's what it's going to be. But some people, because of the banking issue, think it might be less. And there's a lot more commentary in the newsletter. I mean, you just have to get the newsletter and you'll read it. In the stock ideas section, we highlighted an exchange-traded fund that tracks the performance of some of the largest and most liquid gold mining companies in the world. The fund invests in primarily in publicly traded companies engaged in the exploration, development, and production of gold and other precious metals. It is currently trading at a discount to its NAV and has an expense ratio of around 0.5%. 5-1%. It's pretty low. The company may be a good option if you are looking for exposure to the gold mining industry in a diversified and cost-effective way. You can do that through this ETF. Okay? And, of course, another one. We always give two ideas in our stock ideas section. A manufacturer of wood alternative decking and railing products that are used in residential and commercial construction projects. The company's, pro- the company's products are known for their durability, low maintenance, and environmental sustainability. As a result, it has become a leading player in the decking and railing industry. Overall, the company's strong fundamental performance and balance sheet position make it an attractive investment 
for investors looking for exposure to the construction industry. However, as with any investment, small caps in particular are known to react more aggressively than large cap counterparts. We name names in the newsletter, everybody. We'll give you the symbols and the names so you know who we're talking about. So you need to subscribe. Pretty easy. Go to investtalk.com, click on the button, subscribe. It's pretty simple. You, you go to our website and yeah, you'll have no problem with that. Okay. Okay. Um, Buffett, Warren Buffett, our favorite investor who's getting up there in age, Warren Buffett bought a ton more of a company. He didn't buy that long ago, only a couple, three years ago. Occidental Petroleum, OXY. Okay, he on his investments of Occidental Petroleum, he has a total return since he started buying in 2020 of 84%. He bought 5.8 million more stock shares. He has 200.2 million shares right now worth about $12.4 billion dollars. So he was pretty, you know, he's pretty high in Occidental Petroleum. If you've looked at Oxy, well, you know, the whole oil industry, the big oil guys have done very well in the last few years. They haven't done so well recent months, but you got to be patient. That's why I like buying these things with the dividends. Oxy doesn't pay much of a dividend, 1.2%, which is kind of at odds with what Warren Buffett likes. He likes big dividends. It's a $53 billion company. You know, and if he has 200 million shares, their total outstanding shares in the float is about 900 million. Okay, so he has 200 of 900. He has 20-something percent of the stock? Is that how I'm reading that? Huh. Okay. Anyways... Uh, so, Occidentally engaged in the exploration and production of crude oil and natural gas worldwide. As I said, doesn't pay much of a dividend, but you can see why I bought it. The PE, it's a $59 stock, and they're going to make $6.04 next year. So, the PE ratio is pretty low, and he, he's a value player. At the same time, sales are growing pretty fast. And again, Warren Buffett is a value investor. Okay. The two, you know, also on Friday, you know I always run down some of the benchmark numbers. The two-year treasury yield is 4.68%. You buy a two-year treasury and you'll get 4.68% per year for two years. For perspective, 38 weeks ago it was 2.65, but 51 weeks ago is 1.96. 63 weeks ago is 0.64%, the yield. Now it's 4.68%. The 10-year Treasury, 3.73%. That's an inverted yield curve. The 10-year Treasury pays less. Do You get 3.73% per year for 10 years, or you can buy a two-year Treasury and get 4.68% per year for two years. That's called inverted. Usually you get more, more yield on your 10-year Treasury than you do on a two-year Treasury. That's the norm out there. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Uh, gold, $1,864 an ounce. Last week it was $1,846. It had a pretty good day today, almost 2% up today. Okay, it was, though, you know, almost a year ago, uh, $1,911. So, 
you know, you're talking about it has not really done much in a year. Doesn't mean you shouldn't own it now, though. That's not what I'm saying. Silver last week, $21.07, $20.51, I'm sorry. The week before was twenty one oh seven. So it actually went down while gold went up. Why did it go, go up? Because of the fear of the bank banking industry. That's my pretty certain deduction. Pretty sure that's why. The national average, guess what, oil. Oil is selling at $76.57 a barrel. It has been under in this 80 to under area for some time. I mean, five weeks ago, it was $79. Uh, 21 weeks ago, it was 92 But for a number, many weeks now, it's been in that 75 to $85 area. Okay? Um, a, a 62 a little over a year ago. It was just $66 a barrel. The national average for a gallon of regular gasoline, $3.47. Every time I read this on the Fridays, I get depressed. Because I live in Southern California. <laughs> we haven't seen $3.47 in years. Now, last week, it was $3.39 nationwide. Remember, it's $3.47. So it went up. Okay? Went up. For comparison, in Virginia... Virginia, $3.23. By the way, that is $1.69 cheaper than here in California per gallon. And, of course, our wonderful governor and our state wants to always increase taxes, and they're always trying to figure out a way to get more money out of oil and gas industry, always. They're never happy with the taxes they have. They always want more money. And they get it's easy to get out of you know an industry like the oil and gas because everybody hates it for some reason. I don't. Just let you know, I don't. We've got a special event coming up on Wednesday, March twenty second at two p.m. that I think you may be interested in watching. KPP Financial is preparing a new wealth webinar: value investing, positioning your portfolio on profitability relative to price and dividend payments. The Wealth Webinar is free, and it will be a crash course. We go through things pretty fast. And how to structure your value portfolios. Giving real examples with assessment tools that KPP uses, we use. Tell you what we use to come up with these things. So market calendar, again, that's Wednesday, March 22nd at 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, so keep market calendars on that. It's free, by the way. There's all you have to do is register. You still got to register, but it's free. Okay, again, it's at investtalk.com. Remember, two T's in investtalk, investtalk.com. And please tell your friends and family and members about it. I would appreciate that. Let's try a quick caller question from 888 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, my name is Dan from New York. Congrats on the 50 million downloads. Really, really impressive. Been listening to you guys since 2016. But I was just wondering if there's any kind of exposure that I can have to the VIX without dealing with Contango. Looking forward to a response on the podcast and appreciate all that you guys do. Just trying to, you know, avoid the downside risk of Contango with any, all these VIX products. Thanks. Bye. Well, that is hard to do, but you can play the VIX. The VIX is V-I-X, everybody. That's called the Volatility Index. 
Okay. Um, and you, there is an ETF out there, an ETF that tracks the VIX. My, I'm a little hesitant about suggesting it because I don't think it does that great of a job tracking the, the movement of the VIX. But if you study it carefully, I think you might be able to take advantage of it. But it is a difficult trade. Now, there's a different way to do it. You can actually do your... Remember, the VIX is, is it's called a fear gauge. It's, it's tracking options, put and sell options. And it, it tells if the market's getting more scary and people are getting more afraid of it or more uh, brave about the market. And that's what it really tells you. But it's not perfect. It's imperfect. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your calls in, 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 Anytime Listener Line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Nick and Manhattan Beach. How you doing? Hey, Steve. Happy Friday to you. You too. Um, so I'm calling in today. Um, I'm sure you've already gotten questions about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, oh yeah. My question is, um, it pertains to that, but more so about the future path of Fed interest rates as a result of this major, major bank collapse. It's you know one of the biggest in U.S. history, yeah. and as I see it, um, is is pretty related to the 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 pace of the Fed's rate hikes in the last it, year. I, I, because I, think I know that directly related, um, Nick. I think it's directly related to that. Yeah. So Silicon Valley Bank invested a, a large amount of their balance sheet into long-term bonds, mortgage mm-hmm. securities, treasury mm-hmm. bonds, which mm-hmm. have taken a have taken a bath because Huge of the, uh, the rate the rate hikes. And then and they're forced the market, their... market losses. Yep. The market then... market losses are essentially you know putting them into bankruptcy. Yeah. I think that this could induce the Fed to uh, potentially stop hiking altogether, and therefore the terminal rate will stay below five percent. That should be bullish for for stocks that are profitable, and you know maybe maybe it's time to start buying uh, when the uh, the dust settles. Well, there certainly is an argument for that. I I saw a number of people and I had a couple of discussions for that very thing, same thing today. I said that you know does this mean the Fed, you know, has second thoughts about raising the rate fifty basis points? And I, I would say it would. I would Nick, except for one thing. You see the jobs report? It just I, it I didn't think it was too hot. I think that the Fed thinks it's too hot. I think the the, the unemployment rate, the jobless claims rate, the uh, number of job openings for 1.9 job openings for every unemployed person, I think the Fed's going to lean on that, and I think they're going to raise their rates. Now, I think they also have to be thinking, this could be, this could be, you know, as I said in our newsletter, we said it, this could be a contagion thing, the Silicon Bank thing. Right. 
There's, you know, more, there's more banks out there that have similar issues. Of no, course. No doubt. Well, yeah. Remember, these are treasuries. These are supposed to be the safest. You know, this is what the Fed wants them to own, right? I mean, the, the banking industry, the banking regulators want them to own this safe investment. Well, not so safe, is it? <laughs> so so uh, you, you have a good, strong argument. Let's put it that way. And I would, because of that strong argument, I would start to tip my toe in the market a little bit. I would. Okay? Good point, Nick. I really like that. That was a great point. I really did. I enjoyed it. Thank you. 888-99-CHART. The Beige Book came out this week. The Beige Book. This is a, this is a report put out by the technicians working for the Federal Reserve. And they're based, uh, there's 12 Federal Reserve districts in the United States, and six of those 12 districts, as reported in the Beige Book, had little or no growth. The other six had moderate growth. And, they're com- and the Beige Book is forecasting for f- the first quarter of 2023, which will end here at the end of this month, a shrinking GDP by four-tenths of one percent. Four-tenths of one percent. Now, have you ever heard of the secret green book? Green book. Those same technicians at the Federal Reserve writes a separate book, separate uh, economic report that they give just to the Federal Reserve presidents of the 12 districts. And it's full of economic data. Now, you've heard me on the radio say, you know, the Fed probably has a lot more information than we do. And I think that's where they get it. They get it in the Green Book. They don't share that with the public. They don't tell us what's in the Green Book. We just know what's in the Beige Book. Um, so they received this report from their staff prior to their meeting. Remember, they're going to have a meeting in two weeks and they're probably raising rates again. Well, not probably. It's pretty sure they're raising rates. But not for certain if banks keep collapsing. So we'll keep our eyes open. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, and or Spotify. Remember to follow Invest Talk on social media. We really would like that. Follow us. You might win a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. We're giving away 10 per week for the next three weeks. All you have to do is like and tag three friends on our 50 for 50 million post. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial.
Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.